can an undisclosed disclaimer be used to restore a loss of partial priority? Hello and welcome to another episode of Carmel's In Conversation. I'm your host, Daniel Wise, and in today's discussion, I will be joined by Stephanie Willing, a technical assistant in our life sciences biotechnology team. And in this episode, we'll be taking a look at a recent EPO Technical Board of Appeal decision, T88 of 21, which builds on earlier EPO decisions about undisclosed disclaimers and partial priority. Now, Steph, these are two fiendishly complicated areas of EPO law, so do you really think this is going to work as a podcast? Absolutely. Okay, okay. good. I like that confidence. So what actually is an undisclosed disclaimer? So I'll start with what is a disclaimer? And a disclaimer refers to a negative feature in a claim that excludes certain subject matter. So to take an example, in a claim to a composition comprising sugar, wherein the sugar is not glucose, glucose has been disclaimed. And now disclaimers can be a really useful way to overcome prior art that would otherwise be novelty destroying. And for this reason, disclaimers are often written into the application. And so this means that there is textual support for the disclaimer. And this would be referred to as a disclosed disclaimer. However, you might find yourself needing to use a disclaimer that hasn't been written into your application. Perhaps you even want to disclaim something, such as glucose, to go back to my earlier example, that itself is not mentioned in your application. And this is what we mean when we refer to undisclosed disclaimers. Got it. So when are you allowed to use these undisclosed disclaimers? Why can't you just use them all the time to avoid prior art? So there are restrictions on the use of undisclosed disclaimers because you can't normally write things into your claims at the EPO if they aren't disclosed in the application as filed. This would be classed as added matter, which is not allowed under Article 1232. But there are actually three situations in which undisclosed disclaimers might be allowable under the EPO's added matter provisions. These three situations were set out in G1 of 03 and later confirmed in G1 of 16. If anyone is interested in more information about undisclosed disclaimers, then these decisions are worth a read. But it's only one of these situations that is relevant to this decision, and that's that an undisclosed disclaimer might be allowable if it's being used to restore novelty over a document that is citable for the purposes of novelty only. And what we mean by a document being citable for the purposes of novelty only is a prior art document that didn't publish until after the filing date of your application. And so if you think about it, if a prior art document didn't publish until after your application was filed, you couldn't reasonably be aware of it and therefore are unlikely to have written a disclosed disclaimer to that subject matter into your application. And so it seems as if the EPO does have some sympathy for applicants who find themselves in this situation because this being one of the situations in which the use of an undisclosed disclaimer might be allowable offers a possible route forward for the applicant. So prior art that you weren't aware of, you can disclaim, at least under certain circumstances. That that seems fair enough. How does this new decision T88 of 21 develop the idea then? So getting to the facts of this particular decision. During prosecution, the examining division considered the application to lack novelty over an earlier filed application filed by the very same applicant. And I'll refer to this same applicant prior art document as D1. And so D1 was filed before the application at hand, but didn't publish until after its filing date. In other words, on an assumption that all priority claims are valid, D1 was citable for the purposes of novelty only. 
Okay, so could they disclaim the novelty-destroying subject matter? Or did it matter that it was from the applicant themselves and so they should have been aware of it? Yeah, so this is where the rules on validly claiming priority come into play in this decision and why the fact that D1 is an application by the same applicant is really important. And that's because for priority to be validly claimed, it is necessary that the application to which the priority claim is directed is the applicant's first application for that particular subject matter. And so if, in fact, some or all of the subject matter has already been disclosed in an earlier application filed by the same applicant, the priority claim is invalid, at least with respect to the subject matter already disclosed in the earlier application. Ah, uh, yes, the cascading priority problem. You can only claim priority from your first application that discloses the particular subject matter. And that first application in this case would have been D1's priority application, right? Yeah, that's right. D1's priority application was the first application in this sense. And so as the application lacked novelty over D1, and as D1 was by the same applicant, the consequence was a loss of priority. And this meant that the effective filing date became the PCT filing date rather than the priority date, and the PCT filing date was a whole year later than the priority date. Because D1 published before the PCT filing date of the application, with the loss of priority, D1 could be cited as full prior art. Okay, I can sense this isn't going to end well. So what did this mean for the possible disclaimer to get around D1? So the applicant, during prosecution, amended Claim 1 to include an undisclosed disclaimer to the subject matter disclosed in D1 that was deemed to anticipate the application and was therefore preventing novelty from being acknowledged. And so adding this disclaimer had two related effects. Firstly, because the disclaimer excluded the novelty-destroying subject matter disclosed in D1, novelty over D1 was restored. Secondly, the addition of the disclaimer meant that the subject matter of the present application was now clearly distinguished from that of the earlier application D1, and so the first filing requirement for a valid claim to priority was met. In other words, the disclaimer restored the claim to priority, and this meant that D1 was citable for the purposes of novelty only. Well, that sounds a bit more positive. Why did the applicant think that was going to work? So I think it's worth a, just a quick recap on the facts of the case before answering that question. As a reminder, without the disclaimer, the earlier filed application D1 could be cited as full prior art due to the loss of priority. It was only with the addition of the disclaimer that priority was restored and that the change in the effective filing date of the application meant that the earlier filed application D1 was citable as novelty only prior art. And as a recap of the tests that the applicant contended that they met, this test says that an undisclosed disclaimer might be allowable if it's being used to restore novelty by delimiting a claim against a document cited for novelty only. And so the key question is, is the applicant using an undisclosed disclaimer to restore novelty over a document citable for the purposes of novelty only? The applicant, of course, was convinced that it was. When it added the disclaimer to claim one, D1 was citable for the purposes of novelty only. The applicant considered that there was nothing within the rule that specified that the prior art must be citable for novelty only before the addition of the disclaimer. D1 was citable for the purposes of novelty only after the addition of the disclaimer, and the applicant contended that this therefore satisfied the relevant rule. But the examining division disagreed, and that's how this case ended up before the boards of appeal. Okay, so they had quite a strict examining division there. What did the board say when it got up on appeal? So the board was in agreement with the examining division's interpretation of the conditions set out in G103. 
they considered that the condition the applicant thought that it met actually required that the state of the art in question be citable for the purposes of novelty only before the disclaimer is added. Because D1 was citable as full prior art before the disclaimer was added, the applicant's use of the undisclosed disclaimer therefore added matter, contravening Article 1232. Classic EPO, added matter, the death of many a case. That's a particularly complicated way to lose on added matter though, isn't it? I mean, what are the take-home messages here for applicants in future? I think we can summarise it in a one-line take-home by saying an undisclosed disclaimer based on a disclosure in an earlier application by the same applicant is not allowed. And if you think about it, this is in line with the spirit of the decisions allowing use of undisclosed disclaimers to overcome novelty-only prior art, because this offers a route forward in light of disclosures that the applicant couldn't have fairly known about. But in this case, the prior art was the applicant's own prior art, and arguably it really should have been aware of it. And the board did have some particular words of advice in this regard. And so to quote directly from the decision, the board says, it rests with an applicant to manage their patent portfolio in line with the provisions of the EPC they want to avail themselves of, however large this portfolio may be, not least in the interest of legal certainty for third parties. Well, I guess that's fair enough. I suppose the applicant should have known better. Priority and added matter are very strict at the EPO, aren't they? And they need to be to protect the rights of third parties. I imagine the applicant still felt a bit hard done by though. Tough day at the office. Well, okay. Thanks for taking us through that, Steph. I agree. You did indeed manage to explain that in podcast form. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Interesting decision to talk about. Okay. And that's all from us. See you again later. Bye-bye.